Hello and welcome to the Overly Animated Podcast, where we take animation seriously. I'm Beatrice Murad, and today I'm joined by Michelle Anderer. Hello. And Delaney Stovall. Hey, y'all. This is a podcast all about the mythology of She-Ra, continuing our series of discussions about She-Ra while we wait for season two. You can listen to all our previous coverage of She-Ra and the Princesses of Power, including our Ketradora podcast and our She-Ra queer representation podcast by subscribing to our She-Ra specific iTunes feed or the Overly Animated YouTube channel. Um, a very quick note before we start, um, I have to clarify that some of the questions we have, uh, we may be asking or answering ourselves in this pod and thinking and theorizing about may have been answered in the original Shira show. We are not going by that information. We are only basing our thoughts on the information presented to us in the current Netflix run. Um, so don't bother correcting us in the comments section because I mean, who knows? Even maybe like in the, maybe they'll It's take- because we don't care. Yeah, not don't a, bother. It's not something we, like, we don't care, but also like maybe they're going to take, they may not, you know, they may deviate from it. They may make new mythology. Who knows? Mm. They, they, we are only based on ne- off the Netflix stuff. All right. So guys, I wanted to start by talking, I guess I wanted to start big, talk big and then go into specific. So let's talk about Etheria because I have some questions about the first ones and what, what they are. So <laughs> are they aliens? Are they colonizers? What we know is that they came to Etheria and kind of in, 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 like infiltrated their technology within the very planet's core. I mean, did they create Etheria? No, there was an Etheria before them, I'm assuming. So I just wanted just to get your takes on who they are or who you think they are based on what the show has asked, like shown you. Like, what is your impression of the first ones? So hmm. I want to bring in like some, so we have to include like, we're going to talk more about stuff like context and stuff too. So, you know, we're talking, we're not going to talk about past Shira, and we have to also talk about in context of current animation and kind of like, um, like things Shira currently could be drawing from. Right. Right. They yeah. have to be drawing inspiration from a lot of things. Right. But- so when I hear first ones, I don't know if a lot of listeners are going to be fans of this or know what I'm talking about, but I have been playing Assassin's Creed since, like, the games came out. And in Assassin's Creed, they have this weird thing. You're like, don't you just kill people in the past? That is true. But they also have a weird, like, modern mythology also. And in in Assassin's Creed, you have what we call the precursors, the first civilization, or the Isu. They're all the same people, and they're the ones who came before. They're like gods who created mankind, and they're crazy, blah, blah, blah. And we gave them names like Juno and blah, blah. So that's like their alternate history that Assassin's Creed does. And to me, when I see the first ones, and I hear about them, and I and I see, uh, what's her name? Light Hope. Oh, and yeah. it's very, very similar to Assassin's Creed. You have these strange monolithic buildings it doesn't look right it looks very high tech even light hopes kind of looks like a projection that's how the ones who came before are presented in assassin's creed and you know also you know the first ones and so we also don't know are were did they create mankind i mean i'm assuming mankind never encountered the first ones because it's you know they kind of girl we don't know that for a fact no one's talked about it but you don't you know you know, you kind of get that. They don't really know what's in those buildings. They're kind of overgrown. They just sit, call them the first ones. But 
you know, we don't know. So that's that's my kind of take on it. It seems very, very similar to that. Obviously, they can do whatever they want. But I would kind of take it as I don't necessarily think they created people or whatever, because we also have kind of a different people kind of dealio in Shira, because there aren't like cat people in Assassin's Creed. Right. So I don't know. <laughs> right. Fair, but, fair. Unfortunately, so, unfortunately. Unfortunately. Granted, they do also kind of have this, um, I think, symbolism sort of sometimes in Shira. And I can't remember, there's like a flash or something. And I feel like they kind of act like Shira came from space. So I don't mm-hmm. know. And they kind of act like they kind of act like Adora like crash landed. Like she's not normal. Like so- so here's I don't know the thing. what the deal is. Here's the thing, though. So they, it has been said that they were the ones who gave the princesses their powers. They're the ones right, who created right. the runestones. They're the ones who created Shira, like, as a concept. Right, right. So I'm assuming in order to create Shira, they needed to have a human to, like, so they probably the power people. into. Or they were like, in Assassin's Creed, they enslaved mankind. Oh, to be yeah. fair, they made mankind and then they enslaved them. But so it could make sense, you know, if they invaded or if they kind of like, they also could have come about independently. Like you have this super all powerful civilization and then humans start popping up and they're like, oh, you're mine now. Right. And they're probably like, here, we can like, there's also, there's also a lot of Avatar Korra elements in Shira. Like, there's like I don't know. It's obviously I feel like very inspired by Avatar and the Legend of Korra, and you know, animation wise, and just a lot of the elements they talk about in the show. Right. And so I do think it would make you know, giving the princesses their powers, creating these rune t- stones. It's very reminiscent of, you know, you have the Avatar, who's the bridge between worlds. You have the spirit world and like the material world. Right. And so. That would kind of make sense with Shira, you know, bring balance to the role, which is like <coughs> Avatar. Yeah, yeah. So, but it's interesting. Like, why did the first ones feel that was necessary? Did they consider themselves intermediaries for mankind? Like, does Shira, or that's the other thing too? They talk about protecting Etheria. So, in that case, maybe they don't care about humans at all. They just want to protect the Earth. In which case, if we're doing some like eco lesbian stuff in this show, I'm about it's, it. Like, it's like basically. <laughs> Steven Universe yes. <laughs> Part 2. Right. Yes, about it. And so, which that would be another thing. I think this show is probably also inspired by stuff Steven Universe was doing. Also another thing, you know, it takes a while to animate things, but things don't happen in a vacuum. Right. And I definitely don't think, and we've talked about this before in the queer representation podcast, that this show probably wouldn't be what it is in its current form and able to exist if it wasn't for Steven Universe and The Legend of Korra and shows that have like broken barriers. Right. We didn't have, you couldn't have an animation, you couldn't have an animated show with a female main character like this until The Legend of Korra came out. Right. That was the first show on like a major network created by like, you know, on it was on Nickelodeon with a female lead. That like didn't happen, yeah. like with a fighting character. You know, so that's kind of like that's kind of where we're going with. Like, there's a lot of context to what we're dealing with. But I think of it. You know, it's kind of I'm I'm kind of leaning towards this sort of. You know, I you know again, Assassin's Creed. It seems very similar to like that to me. But you know. I don't know necessarily if they care about mankind. I think they're like, protect the planet. I don't care about you. Right, right. So it's more protect, like, the technology they right. left on the well, planet. And it of. makes sense with the whole, like, with the it horde, makes sense. which we'll get the into. Horde. Because they like, suck. Yeah, the like, horde sucks. The but it's like, are the horde, like, the 
first ones? Like, is, are they their true villains? Like, we don't know. But Michelle, what what is your your take on the first ones? And how do you read them as a thing? I kind of read them as an external. I feel like they were maybe the original settlers of Etheria, but it also seems like they're definitely not around anymore. Light Hope okay. isn't really a person. She's like Delaney said, she's more of a hologram, not like robot, but like some kind of like presence brought upon by technology only. Right. And she's not, she, she's not like, you know, organic material. So my question is kind of, did did the first ones who I don't think they were human, but they obviously had very high-tech technology embedded it throughout the entire planet's core, which means they were there for a long time. They invested a lot of resources in that planet, and they're not there anymore. So did humans, like, start cropping up? Did they come from another planet, too, and kind of force them out? Because it seems like nobody knows much about the first ones. And Trapped is, like, kind of the only one who's really investigating them on a historical-slash-scientific level. Um, So I, I feel like there's a disconnect between them and current society. And Adora being the new She-Ra is, like, the only kind of linkage to them that we have there. Totally. And I was just saying, like, yeah, I'm wondering, is Shia, is She-Ra, like, uh, Adora seems human? <laughs> but, I mean, she seems human, right? But the thing is, so if the first ones created the concept of She-Ra, and we know Adora Maybe came they from the planet. human. Yeah, that's the thing, because again, like Shadow Weaver's so obsessed with Adora, and I swear on everything, it's because she was there when Adora's like comet, whatever thing landed. She's like, oh, she's like a first one baby or Here's something. Here's my special space yeah. baby. Yeah, I respect I, her. Exactly. She's like, she was going to be like the evil Superman for her, her Hordean cause, right? She was going to scoop her up and train her to be the ultimate fighter, and she knew that she was <laughs> she capable. She knew that Adora was going to be capable of things that a normal human isn't and that's why she gave her so much special treatment that's why she just never looked at Katra because she's like Psh, you're not from another planet you're you, not cool you, you're not magical like I need <laughs> it to be Adora like that's why her obsessiveness over getting her back makes sense gotcha so, so, you, so you think Adora is a first one I think so or somehow she got the the powers of the first okay. one because I don't think the first ones were ever human. I think hey, they hey, were Hey, this is like know. Assassin's Creed. You know, I I never I might <laughs> play that so thing in Assassin's going Creed. Going off of what I see in the show, but I think like they had a combination of maybe magic and technology and Adora's got some of that going on too. Okay. She might well, not know it yet to the ca- full extent, but Kind of to counter that theory though, cuz here's the thing. Um and this is all explained in epi- like the ep- big episode for the mythology for listeners. If you're curious, it's episode eleven, which is conveniently called Light Hope. Um, there is, uh, what's her name? Well, Light Hope says to her, to uh, Adora that the previous Shira has so much power that she was mm-hmm. able to move the planet into a different dimension where it's alone. <laughs> So Etheria is like on its own. I don't know how the Horde found it, but maybe that's yeah. why there's a dis... And it's been like a thousand years since the previous era. So maybe it's like, I don't know how... Maybe that's why the first ones are gone because in those thousands of years, like the Shira, like Mara, she disconnected the she was first like, ones go away. from... Bye. Which yeah. brings the question though, if the first ones ever show up, whether let's say that the horde is like done, like they de- dealt with the with the horde, Hordax like rip, 
Hordak. And now what? Say that they decide to continue the show and it doesn't just end with like this arc. Well then, if the first ones come back, wouldn't they necessarily be a welcomed... Would it be a welcome return? Because I'm assuming the reason that Shira, like Mara, the oh, the previous Shira, like lost it because she lost it because she she became obsessed with 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 um like she became I don't know what's that word like um uh suspicious of everything right she became so I'm I, my thing is why was she so nervous is it because the first ones the, the people that gave her her powers I'm assuming she has to have some sort of communication with them are they bad. Are they good? Are they just gods? That's true. So they're ambivalent of us that, and they just don't care? That, that's a good point because I don't think we can take Light Hope at face value. I mean, is she a reliable narrator? The way she talks about Mara is certainly, we know how she feels about her. She's like, <laughs> oh, she couldn't handle it. She sucked. You better not turn out that way, Dora. It's kind of like, whoa, <laughs> okay. But that's not really a holistic perspective of who Mara could have been. So yeah, it w- was... Did Mara have good reason to be acting the way she was? I don't think we know yet, but yeah, maybe maybe the first ones are a little a little sketch. Yeah. Well, if you have, um, we do think too is you know if we're gonna do with the context, all, like again, bringing up like you know a previous influence, and we talked about this in the episode discussion of um, Light Hope. That, well, not we, I wasn't on it, but um, I'm assuming someone, I, I don't what did I talk about? I, at some point, I believe, I'm sure Dylan or somebody talked about it, but, because I unfortunately missed all the she coverage, was that Light Hope, that episode, is literally the guru in Avatar. That is the same episode. They are almost identical in how they play out. Because you have- Oh, the totally. Because yeah. you have the guru- and he's talking, and if this is the first time this compar- comparison has been made, I'm having a stroke, but it's fine. That you have the guru is talking to Aang, and he's like, you have, and he's unlocking his chakras because Aang's trying to be a better avatar. And he's like, you, you need, yeah, he's like, let go of your earthly attachments. And his earthly attachment is Katara. And so now you have um, one, I don't, when is, uh, there's what, 13 episodes? 12 in 13, I think. 13? 13, yeah. You might have to remind me. Does, um, no, I can't remember the name of the episode. You know when Catcher just lets her go? That's, That's before like, yeah. okay, okay, episode. okay. So if we're in talk, so you have Light Hope being like, you have to let go. So Catra literally let go of Adora, like literally let her go. Yeah. And of course, mm-hmm. that entire episode is about the relationship and how now they're at two different places. And Adora still like is trying to have a connection with Catra and wants to save her. And Catra's like, bye. So, well, and then I mean, now- in the last, last episode, they did give each other that lingering look. So yes, neither yes. of them have let go. To right, I agree. I agree. <laughs> but Catra is, you know, she's pushing a little bit more. But yeah. you have Light Hope being like, you have to let go of your attachments. Her attachments are Adora and who shows up to save her? Glimmer. And mm-hmm. is this your Glimmadora argument? Is this what this My is? argument is always Glimmadora. <laughs> but this, you know, you can, you know, in the context of Avatar and also like being a human being, this is bad to be like, let go of your attachments. No, that's what makes us people. That's what makes us human. That's what makes She-Ra and Adora different, probably from these robotic hologram people. So mm-hmm. I would say the thought that the first ones aren't good is probably a good one. Also, not that we should go for the Luddite argument that technology is bad, but considering Entrapta is able to hack the super powerful 
um, stuff. And, you know, we know what the runestones can do. And there's a reason, the, I mean, granted, the Horde is totally, like, propaganda indoctrinating people. But, you know, the princesses are very powerful. And I'm sure that power, maybe in the past, has been used for not good things. And, you know, if it's really powerful stuff, it can be dangerous. And in that case, maybe the first ones aren't that great. Okay, yeah. Well, speaking of, of the princesses, since you brought them up, let's talk about what does it mean to be a princess because in this context? Because on the one hand, in the beginning of the show, I was like, okay, cool, I get it. So the princesses were these these beings with supernatural, like powerful abilities. Magic? Is it magic? Is it science? Well, tra- give I if Entrapta didn't exist, I would be like, oh, it's magic. But Entrapta does exist. So I'm like, well, what's Entrapta's power beside her hair? I'm like, what what's her thing? I don't know. But point is, I'm like, what? Whether it's, is it based on a title? Like, do you have to be born into it? Like, is it like a very strict lineage? What, how does this work with princesses? And at first I was like, okay, whatever. It's magic at, at first. But then there are sorceresses. Cast a spell I don't think is a princess. Shadow Weaver I don't think is a princess. But they use magic. What is the difference between a princess and a sorceress in this world? Uh, isn't that both the same? I'm just trying to understand because at, at first I thought, that the way the Horde was able to turn people to their side is by taking advantage of that fear of princesses. But if sorceresses exist, then it's not a fear of their power. It's a fear of what then? Like, I, that's, that's something I need clarification. Michelle, what were you I say? think it is a fear of power. I think it's a, it's a fear of, like, to what extent do you have power? I don't think sorceresses necessarily, they, they have, like, some amount of power. They have some amount of... You know, they, they can get their hands on a runestone or two, but nothing to the extent of a princess. Well, I would say a, well, a normal kingdom. sorceress doesn't have, I would, they wouldn't have a runestone, right? They just have magic. But where does the magic come from? That's well, that, okay. like, so I'm not sure if any of the princesses have innate magic abilities if they didn't have those runestones sitting around that they well, could easily recharge. Runestone? We don't I don't know if Entrapta has, I mean, her hair, yeah, her hair is a mystery question mark, <laughs> but I don't think she, like, honestly, her power might just be that she's very good at science, and I... Well, like, then does she I need don't a know. Is she a princess if she doesn't have a runestone? Well, I think, well, we also think about, I think they're doing, There's. I think there's a layered thing here, because we ca- they call them the princesses, and I think that, again, that's also the tactic of the Horde, is just kind of group them all, be afraid of it. Be afraid of the princesses, but don't be afraid of Shadow Weaver, like... Does that make sense? But we have, I think, there's, I think Michelle is saying this, I think it's a combination of the runestones and being royalty, like actually literally just being a princess. And probably how it works is that there, there probably are magical bloodlines. Like there are probably like, you know, you have Angela and, you know, Micah and you can have, you know, bloodlines that go back forever, and this is these are matriarchies, and have, you know, magical children. But then, if you're a princess, you can take advantage of runestones, or maybe even, exactly. and depending on the first ones, you know, maybe they created the runestones and they're related to the families. Like, you know, it could be one of those things. Like, they are bound to that family in a way that it makes, like, you know, obviously we had the black runestone and. Uh, Shadow Weaver used it, but I don't necessarily mean I don't. I think anyone can probably use a runestone if they have enough magic. 
But I would probably say that they're still, though, very much linked to that family. Mm-hmm. So that it might be, you know, it obviously ringstones amplify power. But there's probably some sort of relation to, like, you know, each kingdom has their runestone. Their royal families can, you know, they're very deeply connected to the runestone. But then on top of that are magical because of whatever reason, however this nonsense works. Gotcha. So it's kind of, in a way, it's kind of like Excalibur and like King Arthur, where it's like, it, no matter who holds the title, if you're the true king, then you can pull it out. So it's kind well, of like Well, it's kind of like, well, it's like She-Ra. I, not everyone could be She-Ra. Like, I don't right, think right. Mm-hmm. Well, She-Ra's a special case because she's like, she's OP. But I'm talking just purely like princesses. It's say if it's because they are like a monarchy. Like if someone had like a coup and was like, whatever, the new king or queen or whatever wouldn't be, or the new princess wouldn't have those powers because it's not title-based. It would be right. blood-based. Maybe not. I don't I don't think it's, like, a guarantee. I like Selene's theory that th- these aristocracies have just, like, have a bloodline consisting of magic for a while so that, you know, if you happen to have a runestone lying around and an army behind you, you could be a pretty powerful threat to the horde. But if you're a random person who grew up in a village with magic, I mean, maybe you could light a fire you know, for your family, but that's probably about it without a runestone. So it's like, it's a question of, you know, access to the most powerful thing and your own innate abilities. I feel like it's a combination of those and, two yeah, things. And but, I would say yeah. privilege, like we were talking about. Exactly. Being a yeah. I was, I was suggesting that there was a chance when these were created, there were families in mind, but there, but that there, I mean, the black runestone throws a wrench in that, and that, you know, Shadow Weaver used it and was very powerful. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's not like Scorpio was, like, worse off for not having it. Right, right. Mm-hmm. So I don't think all the princesses need, like, they don't, not all princesses rely on a runestone to maximize their potential. Uh, Trapta, Scorpio, like, they don't, but, like, Glimmer absolutely needs a runestone. Right. So I think it's, like, a case-by-case basis in terms of princesses, how much of them use the runestone or not. Okay. And okay, speaking of Glimmer and her family, can we talk very briefly about Angela? And did I misunderstand? I th- I got the impression like I thought I understood that she was immortal. Yes. She's I also Im- got that. Belief. Right, right. So she's uh-huh. this immortal queen. So if she's immortal, then unless she was born after the first ones, then she well, she must maybe she, maybe she doesn't know what the first ones are. But w- what is she then? If she's well, what not if she, human, maybe she does know. She just hasn't told anybody anything. Oh my god, Angela's the first one. She's the first one, guys. <laughs> she's keeping the secret, protecting her runestone all well, the time. If we're gonna have a character keeping secrets, it's her. Yeah. Other than that, whatever that crazy witch lady's name is, and I can already hear my girlfriend Maz. yelling. She loves that character. I love Maz. She was voiced by. Oh, uh, I like her too. Uh, what's her name? Uh, the voice of Azula, which is oh, great oh, Delilah. Yeah. Gray Delilah. Yeah, awesome. she 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 voices Azula too, so which is crazy. Um but but yeah, so that's something. And also, okay, so if is Glimmer immortal, half immortal? How does that work? Well, like, thing, she's definitely half human. At least half. Yeah, she's or half whatever human. or whatever. Whatever her dad was. was. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's the thing. I don't know necessarily maybe we're, they're not human. They're whatever you are if you're from Etheria. But I mean, but that's another question. So, okay, Etheria is Literally, Mara threw Etheria into, like, a black hole and was like, you're going into a different dimension. Does time work the same way outside it? Like, what is the... I I just am thinking way too scientifically about this. And Tracta <laughs> would be very proud of me. Like, I'm just... 
I'm very, I, okay, move it. We're going to move on. We're going to move on to She-Ra. So she's described as Etheria's champion. She's powerful. She can move planets, apparently. She's huge. She's huge. She's blonde. Yeah. We're all very attracted to her. Doesn't matter yes, who we correct. are. We're all very attracted <laughs> yes. to her. Yes. Um, so she's described as the champion. Does this mean that she's going to battle other champions of other planets? Like, like it's just, that's a very, she's the defender of Etheria. So I'm assuming the things she has to defend come from outside Etheria. Granted, she's got to keep Etheria balanced. So she's got to deal with Etheria's internal issues. But I'm a, if she's that strong that she can move a planet into a different dimension, I am not letting this go because it's wild. <laughs> then... <laughs> then I'm assuming the biggest threats are coming from outside, right? Well, I would say, like, I would like to go back to my eco-lesbian show theory that, I mean, it makes sense that, you know, Etheria's champion, she, her literal job is to protect Etheria. And that doesn't mean that we come from outside. What are we doing to our planet currently? Right. Terrible things. And, you know, I th- and it would make sense. This is also around the time we have to think, you know, again, it takes time to make shows. This is when a show about, you know... I've been waiting for a reboot of Captain Planet, and maybe it's here. <laughs> maybe it is here. We I mean, need Captain Planet colors, right now. You know, yeah, exactly. This is it. Like, we need Captain Planet. And we all know, for, like, Noelle has seen Captain Planet. We know this. Perfect. We know this. She, like, you had, you've seen it. Like, everyone's seen Captain Planet. And... It makes sense, you know, and also this is kind of what we need right now because we're literally murdering the planet and the horde. You know, there's a lot of imagery there that they're also literally murdering the planet. They're poisoning Etheria and they've talked about, you know, the forests around whatever that planet, their kingdom's called, I don't remember. Um, You know, around Glimmer's kingdom that the forests, the magical forests and, you know, they and the forests have burned. And this, you know, there's a lot of imagery and a lot of discussion about, you know, Etheria itself. And I think also, like, just mentioning, like, they immediately were like, this is Etheria, this is the planet. And it's like, this is important. maybe Because normally you watch kind of like a fantasy show. They don't, like, Avatar's world does not have a name. There's no name for the world of Avatar. It's just that that's they live there. And they have kingdoms and countries and stuff. They don't, but, you know, we have Etheria. Granted, we were also talking about apparently existing somewhere else and being pushed into another dimension. But, you know, I think it would make sense. And granted, I'm not saying there aren't outside threats, but I definitely think it's, you know, the Horde right now would be the biggest threat to it all. Totally, totally, totally. But, you know, I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't know if I'm too excited about having, like, it's not that I'm anti, like, sci-fi aliens in this show it's just it's just not the priority it's not the priority no and i'm not sure how it's gonna like no like for me like if if for defend for her to like go into like a coliseum type of situation and like go basically thor ragnarok for me it would be like after this whole like four or five seasons of dealing with i mean i know in steven universe you don't know homeworld exists in like for a long time. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it never seems like a reality. And then, of course, forever, I was like, we're going to Homeworld. We're going to Homeworld. And Dylan never listened to me. And what did we do? We went to Homeworld. Anyway. Of course we're um, going to Homeworld. Of course we're going to Homeworld. <laughs> and so that's, I think, like, may- that could be, I think that could be a possibility. Especially if, I mean, eventually, even maybe, it could happen just in an abstract way. But I think ultimately when you have something like She-Ra 
very similar to Avatar, and we have this power, and we have light hope, they're going to argue. It's not even, like, just this argument where she's like, I'm not letting everything go. I think they're probably going to have a, like, she's going to have that struggle of, like, identity and of, you know, you're not good, and I don't like what you represent, and, like, you can't control me, which is probably what happened with Mara. Mm. So, I think that, you know, I don't know, I think there's a lot, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't be shocked if there were other planets. Also, when you mention another dimension, you you kind of got to keep talking about yeah, it. Yeah, you, you open up probably, that potential. Glimmer probably travels between dimensions. That's probably what she does. She does. She does. She totally does. <laughs> <laughs> but, okay, and so- all this is going to be explained to us by Entrapta. I hope so. Oh I mean, Entrapta is, like, the ideal person. <laughs> but, like, speaking of Entrapta, I mean, the way she, like, her theories, like, I put them as Entrapta theories because we don't know, like, for certain if she's 100% correct. Mm. I'd like to think she is. But well, the she's way been she... been right so far. But the the way she describes Etheria, it doesn't even seem like a planet. It seems just like this giant rock of metal and t- energy and technology. So that's where, like, sometimes... Well, they could have made Etheria. That could have been a thing. Like, you make something, you want somebody to protect it. The first ones created it, and they made She-Ra to protect what they made. Totally, but then... So they, like, just made the whole planet? Oh, oh, wow. So do they just hop around making planets and then leave? When They're, they like, the opposite. Done? But see, the thing is, I don't know if they left or if Mara was the one who, flew, who like, ran away with it, who stole it. Oh, oh, oh my God, that's an like interesting the theory. Yeah. yeah. If she's, she's like, like, yo, I don't like, I don't like this idea. I'm going to nice. keep Ethereum safe myself. Bye. Ran away from Gallifrey. This is exactly what happened. I don't know what any of that means, but... <laughs> I like the idea that she she claimed Etheria for herself and took it off the map. Because I feel like a thousand years is enough for people to like, after being disconnected from the first ones, a thousand years is enough time to forget about the first one language and all that. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a throwaway line from Glimmer when they first like, in that first episode where she's like, how is it possible that this girl can understand a language that we haven't been able to understand for like a thousand years? Like, that thousand-year thing has been, like, been repeated to us various times throughout the thing, throughout the show. Also, Which we know also this, comes- it doesn't even take a thousand years. A thousand years is a really long time. Yeah. You know, we've lost languages in the span of decades. Yeah. And also, also, if it's a thousand years, Maz, how old are you? That's a good question. <laughs> she's I like, she is she? Forever. <laughs> I mean, she maybe she's a really girlfriend. Old. I think it's maybe safe she- to say. So maybe she's immortal, but she still ages. Maybe that's the same thing that's going to happen to Glimmer's or maybe, mom. Or maybe, you don't, you know, or maybe Angela's just like looks like Angela, and then you just have Raz. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh my god, Raz. I've been calling her Maz. Oh god. Anyway, yes, Raz. Um, so, okay. Well, do, do the first ones look like Light Hope then, I think? Probably. Probably like they have blue, outfits, kind yeah. of. Like, I just, for me, I'm basing basically the first ones off the Kree from Marvel. So, kind of like this. Because the Kree came to Earth, and it was, they they were what, the mutants came from the Kree in doing things with humans. That's how the mutants came about, I think, if I'm right. Someone's going to correct me. But, or, or they're also linked to the Inhumans? I don't know. Anyway. Oh, there's no continuity in Marvel. Who knows? The point is, the Kree (laughs) were very, they're linked to the, like, come, like, the Blue Angels who came down from the heavens and whatever. So it was like the aliens, technically. Anyway, point is, so I'm just trying to, I'm just like, if she's blue or, like, purple, then there's, like, there's another comparison. Light hope. Um, 
But yeah, okay, so then here's a question. Then are the Horde, are they like the first ones? Like are they the first ones like mortal enemies and they came to steal Etheria? Or are the, oh my God, are the Horde... No, I don't think the Horde are the first ones. I take that back. I don't think that's the case. Because the thing is, they would understand how the technology worked. Yeah. Are they, they like, from outside? Because, for instance, Hordak, we haven't met anyone that looks like him. Even even other people from the Horde look, like, somewhat similar to humanoids versus Hordak, who's just, like, a skull. So, is that a Hordak is a big... He's a big question mark, honestly. Now these in his weird little pet thing too. Like they're the I mean, there are I feel like there were people in some of the villages who were more animal like, kinda like Catra. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. Hordak is the most kind of out there in terms of um his character design. So maybe he did come from some somewhere else right. and and started the horde. Granted, and it I could be yeah. kind of this kind of in Starboard. Uh, granted, we're just, we, I know we just keep bringing in a bunch of comparisons, but for our listeners, hopefully they know what some of these are. But if you know, you have Star Wars is the forces of evil and you have humans and monsters. Mm-hmm. And so that could be the thing, you know, it could be, you have people who look like people and then you have people who don't look like people. And, you know, with like Catra and Scorpia. And I think, and that's also kind of like, it's a, tried and true trope where you have like the evil people don't look like you which hopefully that's not what we're doing because that's because like if they just make Katra the only gay character and like, she's evil that's bad I, look we but, did, adora can't be straight okay oh that's true. No, absolutely not also glimmer <laughs> is not straight and also have you looked at Bo? he's not straight yeah, either but Bo's i <laughs> mean no one's stra- like there's no yeah, way the- anyone could yeah. be straight when oh. She-Ra exists. Like, none that's of the princesses true. are straight. That's, that's 100%. True. That's true. Yes. But, anyway, you could have, we could have this kind of, like, there are people who look like people and people who don't look like people, but still right. kind of look like people. Right. But, I mean, I think, I th- it has been shown, like, the, for instance, that village that they protected in the first place, in that first episode, yeah. it was full with, like, animal, people with animal features. So it's not like, um... The bad, only the bad people have animal features. But all the sense. people with the most privilege, all the princesses, pretty true. human. And Scorpia looks kind of not human, and now she's she sort of She was so. the one princess who uh, felt left out by the other princesses. Yeah, so there could be there could be some weird species stuff going on here. Absolutely, there could be speciesism happening. Well, this is oh, for the record, this is also present in Ruby. Oh, this is totally present in Ruby. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. also, I have to put in, interject something. My girlfriend, she she likes to text me while we're podcasting. She likes to put in her little comments. Aww. This is, Bo is a by god along with Mermista, which I, I think mean, yeah. uh, Absolutely. Bo is our bicon. He's our bicon. He's a bicon. <laughs> yes. Okay. He, is, he is a bicon. Yes. Um, but, okay, so... Talking, let's bring it back to our protagonist. Let's bring him back to Shira for a second. So, one, she is she reincarnated? Does she is she like is she going to be more like the Avatar and be able to like talk to past lives or at least have some memories of the past, or is she just completely a com- different new person? Because no offense, like Adora does look a little bit like Shira. That's like, true. She bit. does. So, and I'm just and. Well, granted, when, I just don't know how different she, like, beside growing, a, like, a couple more feet and her hair growing a little longer, 
I don't know if facially she looks different. Does she look like a different person? Has that been established or does she always look like? See, that's the thing. Cause I was like, how is, like, as everyone would be like, Adora, Shira. I'm like, did you not notice? She's like, she's like, her build is a lot thicker. And I feel like her hair is a slightly different blonde. And yeah, she's like, mostly just like a lot more buff and a lot more dazzling. Yes. Whereas Adora is like a normal kind of like, slender person which you could still have like if you watch miraculous ladybug or any superhero show ever there's that like people are stupid when they look at your face because you know (laughs) superman like clark kent just wears glasses but he looks like superman but it's fine point is my question is is she like is she a reincarnation of people like is she mara but like a rebirth or is she not? Because, I mean, for instance, bringing back, because it would tie in nicely with the whole kind of letting go philosophy. Because that's very Buddhist. And the whole thing about Buddhism is you have to be able to let go in order to reach nirvana so that you don't reincarnate again and you don't live another life full of suffering. So the question is, like, is she being reincarnated? Because they're already playing with these ideas. So I'm like, okay, so reincarnation may not be off the table if they're already taking from this. So there is this kind of question, like, is she connected to these past lives? Or is she just, like, a brand new thing that's just given the powers? Like, it's not necessarily, um, it's not a, a, it's not a connection of soul, but it's just a connection of, like, we need to find, the I don't know, the purest soul or whatever. We need to find the right soul for, or the right person for She-Ra, or I don't know. So, I mean, my inclination initially was going to say, yeah, they just gave her powers because they they believe that she had the attributes worthy of She-Ra. But the thing that kind of throws a wrench in that is she understands First One's language with no effort. And how the heck can that be true what? if she didn't inherit someone else's memories? I mean, how could Adora know that? She only knew that once she got the sword. So it could be that the sword, so like, sword gave her the her? information. Like, like kind of okay. just, like, down, like, back to, like, kind of technology theme. The sword made her, like, download the information. Oh, my God. Is Adora, like, part robot? No. Anyway. No. no. <laughs> um. <laughs> Shut down. No. So. Uh, go ahead. I'm just thinking through this. So if the sword is the thing, if 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 the sword decides you are worthy of it, it will allow you to transform and then you can understand first one's language and become eight feet tall and do a lot of powerful stuff. It's all in the sword, basically, as long as you have like the right temperament or it, morals it could be. or whatever. Because you can yeah. see like you have Thor's hammer, you have yeah. Excalibur. Because you have, like, you know, even if Thor's Thor and he literally has the hammer, someone else can pick up the hammer. For example, Captain America can pick up the hammer. And because he is, like, a good person. Yeah. And, but I'm not, I'm not sold on the sword. I wouldn't say I would be upset if that came to be true. I think that's an okay thing. And it would make, because we need to have some sort of continuity, which... To me is why I think she has to be reincarnated. Again, I grew up loving Avatar and Korra. The reason we are podcasting right now is because back in the day, we had a Legend of Korra podcast. And before that, there was an Avatar podcast. And we have, you know, we talked, we have very, very, I mean, these are like on the nose, like obvious inspiration from Avatar. 
And again, I think just mentioning Mara and being like, don't be like Mara to me, like this isn't like they're training her to be She-Ra. She is She-Ra. Like she yeah. is. That's who she She's is. She's got to hone it now. Yeah. And that's the thing. And, you know, and I, and I do agree with the Buddhist thing with the, you know, att- no earthly attachment, which again, that's what Avatar was all about. And so I think the ring, I feel like it has not, it hasn't been established. Like they haven't said it out loud explicitly, but I think talking about Mara at all, I think just implies that she's reincarnated. And I, and I don't think she's going to be reincarnated. I don't think it's going to be the same as Avatar. I don't think we're going to see Mara. I don't think we're going to have past lives. I, I do think it is this collective memory but I don't think it's going to be how it was treated in Avatar as they, you know, the spiritual connection where she can literally have a conversation. I don't think that's what's going to happen. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Fair. So then I guess my, okay, well, going in line with like Avatar and the inspirations taken, because even when you mentioned like Star, right? And you had like, okay, so you had the humans and the people who don't look like humans. That's it, There's still these kind of, it feels like there's like these two worlds, these two dimensions or like these two, like there's a spirit world and then there's the normal world. Well, in, in Shira, we don't have that unless we count the first one's understanding and the first one's as the other world and the connection that's being made isn't between, say, like, the spirit world and the human world, but between the humans and the first ones, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I think that is a way to look at it for sure because I, and that's the thing, like, we wonder where the magic came from. It's possible. So, like, okay, maybe the first ones literally made the planet and so, yeah, they probably imbued it with magic, but there's a chance that the first one, Tech, and the the normal ongoing magic we see present in the current world are two separate things that kind of you know interweave with each other sometimes but aren't necessarily all the same thing and i think technology uses magic yeah but the the Mm. magic's like just natural to the world anyway it can take or leave the first one's tech but it doesn't rely on it necessarily so so for instance here's a theory so etheria was always the source of magic and energy. The first ones went in and were like, we need to, we need to take advantage of this and then put mm. in, built in the technology around it to enhance it. But then they realized this could go very south if we don't have people balancing it. So we're going to have these pimp, we're going to have these princesses to balance each thing, each type of magic. But we need someone to keep the princesses in check. So we're going to have She-Ra. So this is just all like a very poorly constructed corporation or something is basically (laughs) that's the new name for first ones (laughs) poorly constructed corporation incorporated basically but you know so maybe it's that like that's probably kind of that's like a way and that that kind of could under then we can understand why like nature comes into it because then in the at its very core it's still about nature and keeping and preserving that and keeping that and keeping it from keeping ourselves from destroying it and, right, and that plays. In, I forget the 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 plant princess. Her whole power Perfuma. came from yeah, perfume. Oh my god, yeah, perfume. Her her whole power came from that tree. That tree was just a magic tree, and as long as the tree was doing well, she could make things grow too. So that was basically her runestone was the magic yeah. tree. So yeah, I like this theory way more than if first ones just came across Etheria as a magical planet. And was like, oh yeah, this is great. We oh, and we got we got science. Let's combine science yeah. and magic and have a great time. 
Um, because that, I don't know, to me, that's like way more interesting. Cause it's like, yeah, well, what else can the plant do? It's this sustainable magic planet with all these potential things. And th- that, that also means the first ones, I mean, maybe they're as far back as we know, but maybe they weren't even like the first people. Maybe they're just maybe. the oldest ones left around that have remnants of technology. Yeah. I mean, there's also, for instance, like the moonstone is powered by the three moons of Etheria. So I'm just like, okay. <laughs> Like, is it lunar powered or it's the, is there some magic going on and it, it ties back into the nature thing? So it, it also still, it works with our theory is what I'm saying. It like, it, yeah. it all, it's all starting to fit. Um, or maybe there were like, I didn't, like now I'm going to bring in Dragon Prince in here, but maybe there were kind of like moon elves type people. But then, you know, the first ones were like, ooh, let's harness this and create this runestone that collects all the moon's energy. But then that's the thing. It's like maybe they use the tech to um, monopolize the energy and magic of Etheria. And then they took it away from the people and then gave it only to the princesses. And that's why the people began to resent the princesses. And boom, I solved it. Yeah, maybe. I mean, there is certainly, we can all agree, there, there's an imbalance of power and access yeah. to magic, right? Yeah, <laughs> In is. Etheria. The princesses have a lot of it. The Horde kind of does. They have one rock. And then also a lot of, like, mech. They have a lot of mech and, like, some poison for the plants and one rock. Um, And then everyone else is just at the mercy of the Horde, basically. Or being, like, relatively protected by Glimmer and the other princesses, I guess. Depending on what region they live in. And that's, like, not great. Yeah. (laughs) That's not not good. good. It's not good at all. Um, But, but yeah. I mean, yes. Uh, We, will we be seeing... Shira becoming even more and more and more powerful as the show goes on or will the will we reach a point where it's like okay she can't like my biggest fear it's it's she's gonna move the planet back oh my god that's true maybe but my go home my real home (laughs) move the planet back that's her Korra moment where Korra like opened the spirit portal forever well she's like well we gotta go back to our to the galaxy we came from and open ourselves up back to the world to the universe forever boom okay but no um my thing is, my biggest fear with Shira is that it's going to become kind of like Sailor Moon, where it, by the end of every Sailor Moon season, she somehow miraculously gets this power that solves everything, like this new power and new upgrade. So my thing is, Do will with Shira, Avatar? will we, will kind of yes? <laughs> is it so, well, I mean, no. I mean, with the Avatar, I feel like there's there are some limitations. I didn't feel like the Avatar was so impossibly OP. Whereas Sailor oh, no, Moon, I was just being like, obnoxious about the finale with Avatar. I haven't seen oh, Sailor Moon, but, uh, but with that's... Sailor Moon, it's like worse. It's like literally, there's like, it's like literally in a blink of an eye, it's like solved. Except for the best season, Sailor Moon S. It's the best season because they don't do that. Um, <laughs> one too. But exactly, it is the greatest one. That's why it's, it's the, the greatest one. Um, yeah. But but no, what I mean is, will she or will there be like a will she ever plateau, or are we just throughout the show going to see her grow more and more and more powerful until she eventually can move the planet back? I think definitely she's going to keep getting more powerful, but I don't think her getting more powerful is what's going to be interesting. I think her her growth in terms of her identity, which is still like a huge thing all the time for her. Who is she as Adora? Who is she as She-Ra? How is she going to be a different She-Ra from Mara or any of the other She-Ras and different from a She-Ra that Light Hope wants her to be? I feel like that's going to be like the core of her journey and her getting more and more power is going to help influence what she's capable of doing with that decision. 
but it's not going to be like the high point at all. So I'm like, honestly, I like, I don't like, yeah, she's getting more powerful, but that's not really what I care about. I want to see her thought process and how she's going to make the best decisions possible as the new She-Ra in this very specified role. And if she's going to break out of that rule or not. Right. And turn her back on Light Hope. Or at least like have a lot of arguments with Light Hope. Like, I'm not going to do that. That sounds dumb. I don't care if that's what she was supposed to do. I'm the new She-Ra and this is what I want to do. Like, I hope there's some of that. I want to break her. I want her to like break out of like these like expectations if she has a good enough reason to and kind of pave her own path. Not unlike Korra or Aang, you know. Mm-hmm. Will she? Will she be the last Shira? Will she be like no one needs deserves this much power and just end it? I mean, I don't know. She, you should. Yeah, she'd have to get a lot of power to become that scary. Like but you I know, think- kind of scatter it democratically like the power back to the people or something instead of just having one person be super powerful that would be nice yeah i think that'd be a very humbling thing for her to do i mean i don't know if it'd be humbling it'd be more just like i feel like adora is very i feel like what's interesting about shira is that adora is she's adora's not in it for the power Right? No. She's not in not. it for the power. She's not I in it for the power. Said no, as if she was actually suggesting that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I was suggesting it. She's yeah. not. <laughs> I was, it, it, it was a question. She's she's a serious, but she it was a stage. Uh, but um, but she's but um, but she's not in it for the power. She's never been. And if anything, she's always she's just so weighed down by the responsibility of it. She's just like, what do I do with this? Right, so that's what's. I feel like even if she does gain gain more powerful, I don't think it's going to be less boring because Adora herself is interesting, and she's not someone who's just going to be like, "Well, haha, now this is all solved." Um, okay. Totally, that's where the struggle is going to come from, and yeah. I'm here for the struggle. Yeah, we we love a struggle. Um, poor Adora, we just want angst from her. <laughs> poor Adora. Um, but okay, final question, and then we can we can wrap this up. Who is Grace Skull? Okay, you know what? I don't know. I, I like this question. This is, you know what? Who who is Grayskull? Look, there really is, okay. isn't Grayskull. How is Grayskull? It's like for the honor of Grayskull. But how is that person? Like, is it a person? Is it a place? Is it a planet? Is it a universe? Is it is it Hordak? Because he's the only skull we've seen. You know, Maybe it's like the brother of Grayskull, and it's a secret. Okay, oh I, I feel like everyone like who's gonna listen, who's wa- who knows about old Shira is gonna start screaming at this moment. So I want everyone to know that at this exact moment, I'm googling who is Gray Skull. Okay, don't I, tell us. I, I don't want to know. <laughs> I like I know very little about He Man, but I do know his like arch enemies, like a really buff purple guy in a hood who's a skull. Maybe that's Gray the first skull. thing that pops up is <laughs> Castle Gray Skull. Is none of this real? Oh no! I mean, I it would be the greatest. Person. It would okay, be the okay. greatest. Okay, okay. I know what it is. Oh, don't tell! Don't tell us. I, I don't want to you know. know. It's really lame, and it doesn't matter. Was, okay. Is it not a person? It is a person. Okay. I knew. It. Is it Scully Purple Hood guy? That's Skeletor. <laughs> How do you oh, not know forgive Skeletor? us! Forgive us for not I knowing. Just... It's Skeletor. <laughs> I never watched. Original. I just remember me. You should just know Skeletor. That's if you don't know anything, you should know who Skeletor is. <laughs> Wonderful. I just remember him on site. I remember his name. So his name is Skeletor. Three schools. Okay. Well, to be honest, I thought Skeletor and Hordak were the same thing. Yeah, they look great. Maybe they're the real brothers, and Grayskull oh is like 
<laughs> the dad. <laughs> no. Gray Skull is the dad. Yeah. I just, I'm just like, of all things, like it just, it's such an, uh, an ugly name of all the things that could possess like respect and could demand honor. Gray Skull, like really? Like what is honorable about a Gray Skull? I just don't know. Um, not the gray skull itself. It's like how you use the gray uh, skull. Yes, I wish uh, that y'all were thinking about this really hard. It's super lame who gray skull is. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know what gray skull is now. I'm going to look it up too. Uh, okay. All right. Well, all right. Do you just want to um, know it's super lame? Yeah. <laughs> I want to know because you said it was really lame. Now I'm interested. Well, I have to wait for if Beatrice wants to know. I'll tell her. I won't spoil her. But it's, I just don't. Th- I don't know if our listeners want to be spoiled this either. Is the but thing, my thing is, is, is like, like spoiler okay, based on. The original planet in uh, Shira is not Etheria, so I don't. It, I don't think we're really doing any continuity here. Okay, well, okay, okay. If it's if it's if this is just going by the old show, so this that they already the have uh, diverted a lot from it. So yeah. what is it? Okay, Gray Skull was a person. He was King Gray Skull, uh-huh. and he was the like he is an ancestor. Of yep. in the original Shira, Adam and Adora. Yeah, he's like so their great, 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 great granddaddy or something. Oh, wait, who's yeah. Adam? Adam is He Man. That's He Man. Adam what? and Adora are like, siblings. Adam is uh, such a boring I know, name. That's like, why they call him He Man because Adam's a really bad name. Like so Adora is like a to cool be fair, name. He Man is way worse than Shira. Shira actually sounds like some. His name is He Man. He Man's like. It, it's redundant. His dude, like the We don't call Shira she her, but that's like kind exactly, of exactly, exactly. Same thing. What, all I no, say so about like, He Man, all I say about He Man is what's going on. Yeah, what's going on? Yeah, when they're like the power of Gray Skull, like they're like home base is Castle Gray Skull. So like oh, I think so it's something their they say or something. That is okay. So boring, it's their line again. Super lame. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Maybe oh, she from the Gray Skull planet then. Ha ha! But wait, see what happens? That's confusing though. So like, was every other Shira like in I her? I don't know. I think. Well, well, the thing is, I don't know. I didn't. Well, I've seen some He-Man. I haven't seen a lot of She-Ra of the original, and that's the thing. Like She-Ra ad- existed in He-Man, but like they literally just made She-Ra as the girl version of He-Man. Oh yeah, but she's so much more interesting. Obviously. Look how that worked out. <laughs> now she's gay. Good job. Good job. <laughs> Great job. Great job. It's the best. Um, okay. I think that we're this is a good place to end um the podcast. Is there any last minute things you want to mention before we go? Any crazy wild thoughts, theories? This is the time to like, throw them out. Literally said is she is Adora a robot, so I think we we got it. My my question is, is Scorpio's dad a scorpion? Or is that, that's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> but how would that work? It could be her mom. I hope it's her mom. Oh my god, did she just that out of actually egg? that's a thing in Star Wars the Forces of Evil? Like you have uh everyone's seen probably seen Tom, he's the demon boy from Star Wars the Forces of Evil. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And his mom is literally a giant demon. His dad's a human. It's hilarious. Yeah, it's good. Well, I mean, all, I just, 
if if Scorpia came out of an egg, I think we've okay, crossed no, I'm the line. Okay. Oh, I hope she was hatched. <laughs> if she was like kept all the egg cracks, like people keep umbilical cords, oh and she's like, God. "This is egg you came oh, out of." It's over. <laughs> Oh my god. Okay. All right. All right. Dylan's gonna okay. edit like all this last part out. No, I'm, honey. I'm editing this. <laughs> I have the power. We're keeping it all in here. <laughs> okay. Um. All right. You can find out all the info on this podcast at overlyanimated.com. You can join us on Discord to text chat about animation at overlyanimated.com slash Discord. Support us via Patreon at patreon.com slash overlyanimated. Thanks to all our current patrons, especially our patron of the podcast, Ryan, a.k.a. Brian. And thanks, as always, to our Patreon executive producers, John, Ryan, Steve, Alex, and Hugh. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.